Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM. M98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing today? You know, I'm doing well. Uh, I do have a funny little kid story to tell, though, about, oh, my, about my garden. Bring it on. We, bring we got, it on. So we, I grew some peppers this year, all m- multiple varieties. And this has been the year of the pepper for me. For some reason, my peppers are like fabulous. Uh, 2020 does sound like the year of the pepper, I think. <laughs> I think that's an adequate name. It could be. But my, my one son wanted to try a red pepper. And, you know, when they grow up, that means they're hot. And I said, you know, what? we've never grown these before. Maybe we should try that when we go, get inside. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, okay, because, he, you know, he was you know, being a superhero at age 14. Uh-huh. And so he pops this pepper in his mouth. And the next thing I know, he had a rocket in his behind <laughs> that shot him across the, ha- across the lawn into the house. Apparently, he drank eight glasses of milk. And then he sent his little sister, who's seven, outside side mom mom he needs to go to the hospital I'm like why what happened and it's because his mouth was so on fire he didn't oh, know what my. to he had the hiccups he, he was running his tongue under the water in the sink and so you know it was it was actually pretty comical because he's okay but <laughs> a learning lesson it was a guide but i warned him you, you know you gave him the warning but hey sometimes you just got to go for that experience that is the ultimate teacher in in many respects uh, the year of the pepper i love it uh, 2020 the year of the pepper well let's let's get down to business here nicole we are going to be talking about senior living communities and to do that we brought on two folks who know quite a bit about that and how uh, there are many benefits to living in a senior living community and we have kim Dahl with us she is the Director of Sales and Marketing for the Reserve at Mills Farm, as well as Vincent Van Kosky. He's the Executive Director of the Reserve at Mills Farm. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you. Our pleasure to be here. So glad to have you both here today. And, you know, a common discussion that we're having at, at Transitions Guiding Lights is, you know, now that the sort of the fog of COVID-19 is, is kind of gone because we're all just living in this new reality for at least a little while longer. You know, I think folks are starting to realize, you know, in the beginning, people were just in shock. And so loved ones were just doing the best that they could at home and just trying to maintain things. But now as, you know, the weeks have turned into months, you know, folks are still... living life despite the fact that we have the COVID-19 pandemic and loved ones are really seeking out resources and you know his mom is you know still declining dad may still be suffering from a cognitive decline folks are still having strokes or falling down and breaking bones or uh, things of that nature and so you know family caregivers are really reaching out again to say hey you know I think we need to potentially make a change and there are so many different options out there in the Trianga area we are so blessed so i'd love to hear a little bit about you know how to choose a senior living community well thank you and um i can certainly appreciate that the situation you know that we're experiencing um you know just not nationally but worldwide but when when looking at a senior living truly the benefits you know outweigh everything and it's really designed 
for a turnkey solution. So providing a wonderful, vibrant lifestyle with all of the services and care, if you if you need, under one roof um, without any maintenance. So it truly is a wonderful solution for our seniors who, you know, as we're aging, really just want to live a great life and, and not have that maintenance and, and daily care, you know, that it takes to running a household. So my understanding is the reserve is among the newest in our, in our market area, correct? Yes, it is. We are one of the newest, premier. So one thing that I've certainly learned throughout my career is not all senior living communities are created equally, which can be quite confusing to family caregivers. You know, there are many different bells and whistles, especially when you're looking at independent living choices. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, what folks should be considering when they're looking at a senior living community for themselves or for a loved one. Sure. I think it's important to consider, you know, it, it, is, it is a large decision. It is a very personal decision to, to leave your home on Main Street, if you will, and moving into a senior living community. So one of the important decisions should be, is it an aging in place community? Does the community provide the different platforms as we age? So independent living and then, of course, assisted living as, as our seniors would require more care, and then memory care. And, and so very important to look at a community as a whole and to make sure that it can meet the needs as, you know, as we all age and our, our needs increase. So that's very important, as well as, you know, the, the atmosphere, um, the feel, if you will, of the community. You know, logistically, where does it, um, you know, where are we located? Um, you know, is it an urban setting? Is it a rural setting? And so all of these factors really need to be considered um, when, when choosing a community. I, I love what you said about, you know, really thinking about how an individual can age in place because oftentimes people are making a decision about a place in time, like where mom is at right now without really thinking about the big picture of what that disease trajectory may be. Be, you know, because if we're looking at making a, a, a life choice or a move, chances are there is something, some impetus to that. And some people are great planners and they're thinking proactively, but for most people, there's something that's happened that makes folks think, okay, now maybe living in an independent living community versus on Main Street where you have all of the maintenance of the home might be more appropriate. Mm-hmm. So one thing I often talk to, to, to families about is, you know, what are the primary diagnoses that your loved one has? And have a very real conversation with their specialists or their primary care physicians about if this pri- primary diagnosis actually progresses, what will life look like potentially in five years, seven years, two years even? Uh, and then try to make some of your choices around that because it's very difficult to have a move. Any one of us who are listening who have moved, we all know even when we have all of our mental faculties and our physical abilities, moves are incredibly stressful. And so then when you add an aging loved one and then the different issues that they have going on with their physical or, or mental 
or emotional status, it can, it's even more complicated. So having that discussion about the trajectory of the disease and what it might look like, I think is incredibly important and, you know, not necessarily just, you know, picking, you know, a place of where they could be today, but where, you know, how will that place be able to support them two, three, four years down the road? Mm-hmm. And I'd like to, uh, I guess, jump on the uh, thoughts of convenience. And I think the idea of wellness, Nicole, that you just kind of put on the table relative to diagnoses and trying to um, anticipate trajectories. You know, I think for many of the folks that are considering senior living options, uh, particularly um, independent living options, as to, you know, build on what Kim suggested relative to the continuum, as it's called, of care in senior living. Um, independent living is the, the kind of entree point, so to speak, to, to senior living. And there are, I think, um, wellness benefits and options that perhaps um, some folks in the market don't fully consider it first relative to, so so for instance, any, any number of us might on or around January 1st think about, okay, what are our resolutions for the next year and how many of us have as one of our resolutions this idea that, you know, I'm going to get fit this year, I'm going to lose weight this year, I'm going to eat better this year, you know, all these things that are presumably wellness focused and then kind of life happens and it's mid-January and it's February and now it's spring and we're gardening and, and maybe we have invested in that or not. And so for folks that are considering senior living options in terms of differentiating between staying at home and a life that's been comfortable over, in many cases, decades, and considering senior living options, there is, I think, the convenience of, and convenience of perhaps a little bit of a different interpretation this way, the convenience of having some of these options for wellness, whether it's around uh, diet and kind of menu management with the uh, dining services professionals that um, are oftentimes in their restaurants and dining venues and communities. The activities and life enrichment um, folks that are in uh, communities that will help you plot out maybe in, 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 in more consumable kind of uh, small bite steps relative to your wellness in terms of maybe a little bit of exercise, a walking club, um, other activities that kind of lend themselves to wellness. And even as you, even for folks that might not necessarily be currently facing um, uh, any kind of significant medical diagnoses as you had suggested before, and they're perhaps looking to, to extend their wellness and maybe avoid or at least postpone some of kind of life's aging um, uh, kind of aspects that, that come on. Senior living communities, I think, help set up a convenience relative to just more easily consumable and perhaps, you know, with folks encouraging you to participate to the extent that you are open to those encouragements. So that's, that's I think, a huge benefit to senior living communities for folks. That is the voice of Vincent Van Kosky. We're also talking with Kim Dahl. They are both with the Reserve at Mills Farm, and we're going to continue our conversation centered all around senior living communities right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News talk traffic this is aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you on fm 98.5 am 680 wptf joined by nicole cleggett from transitions guiding lights here's your host jason kong you are listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of transitions life care it's your life your care on fm 98.5 am 680 wptf news talk Traffic. You can always find more about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.org. Transitionslifecare.org. 
org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Our guests on the line are Kim Dahl. She is the Director of Sales and Marketing and Vincent Van Kosky. He is the Executive Director and they are both affiliated with the Reserve at Mills Farm. And Nicole, we're having a conversation all about senior living communities and we wanted to pivot a little bit and focus on the social aspects of that. Yeah, I think that really is uh, one of the shining stars of these senior living communities in our area. And, you know, the social aspect is incredibly important because we know, I mean, we have, there are plenty of studies that prove that social isolation for older adults is absolutely devastating, and not only cognitively, but emotionally and even physically. It, you know, just think about it. You know, if, if you're home alone, um, do you cook as well as you would cook if you were going to be cooking for three or four other people? I know chances are you'll, you'll grab the box of Cocoa Puffs and, and you know, pour yourself a bowl of cereal and, and that'll be the night. And so, you know, the social aspects and the friendships and, and all of those pieces are, are incredibly important for our older adults. And we'd love to hear, you know, your perspective as in running an, an independent living community with regards to, you know, what you're going to be doing to make that a, a keystone of your organization. Thank you, Nicole. And and I, I think that that's so important what you've just mentioned, the social aspect. And, you know, certainly one of the things that has been an outcome of the COVID-19 crisis, if you will, is truly, you know, a feeling of isolation from many of our seniors. And uh, it's, it's made us all reevaluate what's important to us. And truly, when, you know, you peel back the layers, what's most important to us is health, but our people, our people in our lives, whether that be our family or our friends. And so, you know, with that social aspect, that's one of the largest benefits of choosing a senior living community. You know, there there's friendships, there's connectedness for, from our residents. Um, so many things are, are designed to bring our residents together, whether it be life enrichment activities, dining, uh, the various clubs, uh, walking clubs, gardening clubs, you know, the, that, that human touch, if you will, um, is so important. You know, we need it when we enter this world, and we certainly need it, you know, as we age. And so absolutely one of the largest benefits of, of choosing a senior living community is making sure that, you know, there, there are friends, there are family. Um, really, you know, much like our old neighborhoods used to be. You know, um, you always knew when Mrs. Jones wasn't around or, you know, has anyone seen Mrs. Jones for a couple of days? It's, it's truly um, very important. The social. So let's talk a little bit about safety. I know, you know, especially in the United States, uh, you know, our families are literally uh, located corner to corner. And so a lot of times you have a older adult that's living in one part of the country, and perhaps there may be a child living nearby. But for a lot of people, the, they really don't have that sense of connectedness, just like you mentioned in the older neighborhoods. And, and frankly, a lot of people just keep to their home selves in their homes. I mean, people really don't social the way they used to. And that, that was pre-COVID. I mean, I, I always noticed that, you know, people really didn't want to necessarily engage with neighbors or, or help each other in the ways that, that I was even accustomed to growing up. And so, you know, one of the concerns I know family members often have is really the safety of, of their older adult loved ones. And, 
you know, things like there are frauds and scams or, you know, contractors coming over that may not have the greatest, you know, intentions for for fixing mom's roof and and things like that. Or even just the fact that falls are happening and nobody's around to necessarily know that. So if you could uh, talk to us a little bit about, you know, the safety that one should expect when they move a loved one to an independent living community. So those are great points, Nicole. You know, the idea, you know, you you went back to saying that our generational, it seems perhaps that we've changed relative to perhaps getting um, a little bit away from um, a social structure that maybe once was uh, more prominent in, you know, in, in decades and maybe a couple of generations ago. Of course, um, the, the specific market that's interested in senior living, um, well, you know, that was, that was their heyday. They certainly lived with that relative to the idea of Main Street and smaller villages and, and, and kind of uh, neighbors that were perhaps a little bit more attuned to what was going on with their neighbors and their neighbors' lives and, and kind of, you know, being a, a safety net to some degree. And so certainly senior living communities, um, I think, offer that maybe as the single biggest benefit to folks that would consider both family members and loved ones that are looking perhaps for mom and dad and and again for the individuals themselves that are considering senior living options and you know oftentimes it's it's an unconscious i think for many of us um kind of need or desire to feel safe to feel to secure to know that in the event that if something happens that there's I've, i've got a network around me that can support me and you know, in our in the neighborhoods in the general community, there's a pretty broad spectrum, I think, relative to to, uh, to individuals' feelings in terms of feeling secure that way. And to your point, with family um, not necessarily being close by, I think it makes some people feel um, even more vulnerable, perhaps, relative to what might what what might befall them if something happens and and they don't have resources close by. So senior living communities, of course, they have trained staff and folks that are senior living specialists. We have real estate specialists. We have, you know, car specialists. We have uh, uh, doctor specialists. Here we have senior living specialists, folks that are looking out for your best interests. um, And in some cases, interests that you don't even know that you have, you know, perhaps they may be be latent to some degree. And so to, to know that there are these folks there that are well-trained, that are looking out for your best interest and maybe helping to redirect. And if you ever have questions relative to some next steps that you might want to consider relative to your own wellness or safety and security or um, internet fraud, for him, uh, for instance, for, for one uh, idea that you shared, you know, we have folks in many of our senior living communities across the, uh, the country that are well-trained to go ahead and help um, their residents actually look out for these types of scams and more so. So I think it's maybe the uh, single most significant benefit that senior living communities can offer. So I would be remiss if I didn't address the gigantic elephant in the room related to the COVID-19 pandemic, which is, um, you know, unfortunately, it, it appears that, you know, our most vulnerable population is is the population that is also falling from the COVID-19 pandemic at a ratio much above any other age group in in our country. And so, uh, unfortunately, um, 
the senior living communities across the country have really gotten some negative publicity related to that because our older adults who live in congregate living settings, such as senior living communities, assisted livings, nursing homes, um, are, are, are coming down with the COVID-19 pandemic uh, because it's just spread so easily. So if you would kind of talk a little bit about, um, I, I know this is really heavy on people's minds as they're trying to decide what's the best thing to do for their older adult loved one. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, what organizations should be doing well to keep the residents as safe as possible during COVID-19 and help people understand, if you can, kind of what's going around on related to the regulatory uh, issues and, and what, what we're doing to keep people safe. Yeah, that absolutely is the elephant in the room. There's no doubt about it, Nicole. You know, I, I think as most Americans know, at least relative to the kind of precipitation of COVID in the United States, um, Ground Zero seems to have been a nursing home in the upper Northwest. I think it was Washington State. And of course, then seems to proliferate from there. New York City obviously was a hotspot as well. And so to points that you had made earlier, the industry, I think, really uh, took a pretty big black eye early on um, as uh, we were trying to, the entire world, frankly, the World Health Organization, uh, the World Health Organization, um, uh, CDC, et cetera, everybody's trying to figure out what this COVID thing is and how, how we can address it. And so the senior living industry, frankly, for uh, years and years and years, as um, so much of it was built on a healthcare platform decades and decades ago, though it's evolving more towards a hospitality field for independent living, um, has been well positioned and well trained to look for and help manage um, illness and uh, and disease prevention um, and uh, you know cross contamination etc in our communities and so as standard practice and frankly I think this is standard practice in in several businesses outside of senior living and healthcare at this point but the idea is of scanning check uh, check stations as you're coming into communities that people should expect um, to be have some kind of uh, temporal thermal scans or, or temperature scans they should expect to uh, be answering questions relative to to where they where they, where they have been most recently? Have they been in an environment that has um, had um, COVID nineteen present? Um, do they feel like, they, like they've been exposed? Of course, masking and social distancing, which we are um, hearing more and more as maybe the fundamental way that we can best address this issue, and and really instilling that practice not only among visitors coming into communities, but certainly among staff members and residents themselves. And so these are uh, some fundamental pieces. As well for uh, organizations like uh, like Navian Senior Solutions, as we are with the Reserve at Mills Farm, we are for residents that are moving into our community um, as a uh, kind of preventative measure. We are um, subjecting our residents to COVID testing on days of move-in. We're asking them to self-quarantine in their rooms, masking. We, of course, are serving them meals and making sure that they're well cared for and we're checking in on them. But to wait until we get negative tests back to really do what we can to be proactive in the community to try to be aware of any uh, presence of COVID um, among our residents and then to you know act accordingly. And I think just uh, the last point that I might make, you had suggested from a regulatory perspective, you know, what, what are some kind of current policies that are evolving? Of course, um, independent living is an unregulated product, in, at least in the state of North Carolina. But as uh, Kim had mentioned, we are a, 
uh, as I say, CCRC Light, as we also offer assisted living and memory care here, and other senior living communities offering similar, similar products, um, are regulated by the Department of Health and Human Services um, and Health Service Regulation here in North Carolina. And those organizations, I think rightfully so, really looking out for the health and well-being of residents, family members, and the staff that are providing uh, care and services to our residents, um, took a... Uh, a, a strong position relative to putting measures in place to really try to keep COVID at bay, certainly here in the state of North Carolina, and I think that, um, frankly, with uh, with great success. Recently, though, as the phase two is, you know, we're, we're still obviously in the extended phase two under uh, Governor Cooper's uh, directive, um, there is some uh, we're looking at some of the measures in place relative to possible visitation, possible uh, congregate dining and activities again um, in a very measured and deliberate way, going back to, frankly, coming full circle to the importance of human interaction, social, you know, socialization, that, you know, we, we thrive on, on human touch, and certainly that's one of the biggest benefits that we believe um, residents and family members and, frankly, staff um, uh, kind of receives as gifts as in, in the senior living realm. And we're seeing some of that directive from the Department of Health and Human Services coming forward saying that, listen, we know that this is still present. Um, we know that this is having some significant impacts relative to people's psyche and uh, kind of socialization, appetite for socialization. And so we're seeing that that is coming, that we're easing up just a little bit relative to being able to um, be a little bit more inclusive relative to, you know, truly getting the entire spectrum of human experience in the community. So, Vincent and Kim, we are just about out of time here again. Vincent Van Kosky and Kim Dahl with the Reserve at Mills Farm. I want to thank you both so much for joining us and encourage everyone if you want to find more information the website to go to is reserve at millsfarm.com reserve at millsfarm.com vincent and kim thank you both again so much for joining us today thank you for having us a quick break and back with more you're listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of transitions life care it's your life your care on fm 98.5 am 680 wptf news talk traffic This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. I'm Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett and Nicole, we're going to uh, have a return guest here on the program. We'd like to welcome back Ted Goins, who's the president and CEO of Lutheran Services Carolinas. Ted, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Thank you. Good to be back with you. Well, I love sharing good news, and during the COVID-19 pandemic, good news has been really hard to come by. We'll take what we can get. Yes, and and this this is an amazing, amazing story, and just, it's quite frankly, mind-blowing to me. But, um, Ted, you are involved with the Searstone Retirement Community Giving Program, and I would love for you to talk a little bit about that program and an amazing milestone that you all are about to reach. Yes. Well, thank you very much. And again, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, we um, we partnered way back, gosh, I guess that was back in about 2011, uh, as Searstone was getting started. Uh, and we partnered with Searstone to help them 
get over the hump to get started, and then also um, uh, became a partner in what we've called our Searstone Lutheran Services Carolina's Community Benefit Program. Uh, and that uh, program was set up to use uh, uh, somewhere around 5% of the uh, gross revenues from Searstone uh, to specifically to serve uh, low-income seniors in Wake County. Uh, and that has just been a very successful program. Uh, once they got built and we were able to start um, funding that, and it started small because obviously when you only have a few residents moving in, you only have a, a, a that 5% is not a, a large amount of money. But now that it has grown uh, and, and Searstone is full and getting ready to expand, it's just been a great uh, um, a great program to serve lots of people in the community. So, what's how does this program work, and who? What types of organizations have benefited from this this program? And and, and in full disclosure, uh, Transitions Scouting Lights has been a benefactor for many years now, uh, receiving funding every single year to support our work to, with family caregivers that are low income in Wake County. And it's been a tremendous gift for us to be able to reach now about sixty five hundred family caregivers with our services at no charge every year. And and you are so right, and I'm so glad glad that this program has been able to benefit you and so many other nonprofits. Uh, we set it up, we tried to be very simple with it, not making a complicated process. But again, it is to serve low income seniors uh, in in Wake County. Uh, and, and, and so that's the, the kind of the mandate that we gave ourselves uh, when we started this program. And you mentioned our milestone. Uh, we have just given away, matter of fact, to date since uh, 2014, uh, we've given away $2.6 million to nonprofits in Wake County that are serving that low-income senior population. Wow. Uh, and, and those have included uh, people like you, like Transitions, um, uh, Resources for Seniors, The Carrying Place, uh, Meals on Wheels, um, just so many, uh, Temple's Table, uh, Triangle Family Services, uh, just a number of organizations, the Raleigh uh, Carey Jewish Family Services, just lots of different groups that uh, that are using those funds. Uh, and so they really apply for a grant from from our committee, uh, and then we meet twice a year. So we, we, um, we um, make our selections uh, twice a year uh, uh, for the for those uh, nonprofits. And what I really love about this program um, is, you know, and, you know, Transitions Guiding Lights, we receive various different grants throughout the year from a number of different organizations. And some, sometimes it just feels sort of very automatic. You, you, you type in your information and you wait in here and everything's sort of a digital process. But what I really love about this program, and it makes it feel even more personal, is that you have residents that are involved in the selection of the grantees, and they even come and do a site visit and meet with you and hear more about your organization and take a tour of your organization and really want to hear what you've done uh, between the previous year and, and the current year, if you've received you know funding in multiple years, and what you're planning on doing the next year, and then you even get invited to speak at a resident council meeting to talk to all of the residents about your work and to really help ed- educate them so they can understand where their dollars are going on an annual basis. And I just think that is that's amazing because to be able to 
be in front of the folks that are giving the money makes it feel all the more special. Uh, you are absolutely right. You know, Searstone is such a great community and a great place to live, and it's a way of life. And the, the people that, that live there, you know, want to continue serving their community. Uh, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not a retiree that, uh, that has just decided to go sit on the porch. They are actually living and serving in their communities. Um, one of our committee members since almost the beginning uh, is, uh, uh, you mentioned, uh, and I'll, I'll call his name out. Uh, he's our secret sauce, Dave Wolf, um, <laughs> because all this money starts as resident money. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Dave has taken this as a personal mission, mm-hmm. uh, not just to to give out the money, but to to be um, uh, very aware of exactly um, who is asking for the money and how it's being spent, uh, and and uh, and being that liaison back to the residents so that they can see um, what those funds are being used for to better the whole community. So are, is any of this information sort of like if people are curious just to see where these gifts have gone, is any of this publicly available anywhere just for folks to be able to to look and see and learn about other charities that serve older adults in our community? Uh, it is, and I suspect you can find that on the Lutheran Services website and, and probably on the, the uh, Searstone website also, but I haven't specifically looked there. Um, every year, um, every um, uh, twice a year, when we make these grants, we uh, uh, post that information as a kind of a press release. Uh, so if you Google Searstone grants, uh, that would be another way to find the latest uh, or the whole series of press releases that show exactly where that money is going and to how many people. And it's quite interesting to me as well. You know, you're talking about, you know, this isn't like an episode of, or the movie on Golden Pond, right? Where people are just sort of out fishing all day. These residents are incredibly (laughs) engaged in their community. And many of them serve on many different boards. And, um, you know, even the folks that are involved in this program have you know, a history of working with nonprofit organizations and are even willing to, to give the gift of their time to help nonprofits, especially the small grassroots nonprofits, even with their giving programs and things like that. And I've just been incredibly impressed with the, with the wisdom and the giving spirit of the, of the residents at Searstone. And it's been truly a blessing to, um, I know, Transitions Guiding Lights and Transitions Life Care, as well as the many, many other organizations that I've been involved with, um, you know, that have actually received these gifts as well. And it's also, I think, a really neat opportunity, you know, let's just talk pre-COVID. Before COVID hit, you know, you would have an opportunity for the organizations that were recipients of funds to come together and, um, you know, sort of meet each other and have an opportunity to take a photo and things like that. But it's also very interesting to me when you get to meet other organizations and other organizational leaders that work in the nonprofit field, specifically working with older adults in Wake County. So I also must say I appreciate that ability to to do that because we don't often get a chance to network with people who do uh, work in a complementary way to the work that we provide. Pre-COVID, it was a great opportunity to, to really to let those community resources kind of work together mm-hmm. uh, and, and to, to make sure that, uh, that, that, that we were addressing all the needs in the community or all that we're able to uh, with all these nonprofit partners. Uh, with Searstone, another nonprofit, and Lutheran Services, yet another nonprofit. Uh, so, uh, as far as the Searstone residents, you know, it really is a way of life uh, uh, for them. I mean, they've served nonprofits their whole life. 
uh, and they want to continue to do that uh, uh, from where they are now. So I've been thrilled to uh, that we could be a part of this uh, and that Searstone could be such an important part of this community. You also mentioned COVID. You know, now post or not post COVID, in the midst of COVID, this global pandemic, you know, uh, all of a sudden we find these Searstone grants are even more important uh, because many of these nonprofits have been strained uh, to the to the limit uh, by by this COVID world, and those low income seniors have been stressed even more. Um, and so now I think the Searstone program is even more important today uh, than it was then. Uh, and, and I'd also like to throw in the, the other real uh, pandemic that we have dealt with, if you will, uh, it, it are, are some of the racial justice uh, issues that our society uh, is dealing with. And, and from the very beginning, our, our, um, our grant process has tried to make sure that we were serving all of the community uh, 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 in, in Wake County uh, without regard to, uh, you know, race or, or culture or any other issue, uh, but that we make sure that the, those funds are going to all uh, nonprofit, uh, you know, nonprofits that are serving folks uh, all across the spectrum uh, in Wake County. That is heartwarming to hear. And uh, Ted, we, we thank you and Lutheran Services of Car- Lutheran Services Carolinas for the Searstone Grant Program and all that you're doing to provide gifts for uh, our community right here in Wake County. He is Ted Goins, the president and CEO of Lutheran Services Carolinas. You can find more information about them online at lscarolinas.net, lscarolinas.net. Net. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, it's uh, it's about that time. We know the uh, COVID has certainly thrown its wrench into uh, our worlds and um, you know everyone's world for that matter. But uh, we're doing something a little bit different when it comes to the Caregiver Summit. Oh, the word. <laughs> it's the word. No, no. We are, you know, uh, traditionally we run three in-person Caregiver Summits, which are conferences for the family caregiver in our community to connect them to education education and all the different resources that exist that help them along their journey, whether it's an independent living community, assisted living, home care, a ramp. My gosh, we even have a traveling pedicurist. I mean, so it's <laughs> there, there are so many different aspects of, of things that people need to really get connected with on top of education. But, you know, when, when the COVID-19 pandemic came, um, we sort of started kicking the can down the road on our caregiver summits, and we, we cooked quickly moved one to December and then 
And um, when we sort of took a more modified and conservative approach to reopening our state, uh, we really started to have to look at, well, my gosh, can we even do a caregiver summit in 2020? And so what we ended up deciding uh, as the four host organizations, which are the Alzheimer's Association, the Dementia Alliance of North Carolina, Transitions Guiding Lights, and Transitions Life Care, we decided we really wanted to do something incredibly innovative that our community has never experienced, which is a true virtual online conference. And it is going to be absolutely phenomenal. We are we are really excited about it. We are it's going to be on October 22nd, 2020, and it will be a day-long event. We've actually eliminated the charge completely for attendees because, wow. we, yeah, we know that, um, you know, this has been a very difficult time financially for so many families in our community and especially for family caregivers who may have had to lose their jobs or, you know, they're just taking on more of that burden and responsibility of caring for a loved one. So we've eliminated the cost for both professionals and, and family caregivers to attend. And it's, it's going to feel as close as possible to being in person as we can make it. So we're going to have over 22 sessions that are going to be provided and which, you know, typically we have eight different sessions. So there's going to be over 22 sessions. Um, they're all going to be available. There'll be con- multiple concurrent sessions going on, on many, many different topics. Um, and all of that information will be made available very, very soon, but we'll be covering legal issues and Medicare issues and how to care for yourself. We're even going to be doing some physical, physical exercise and, you know, how to maintain and, and reduce your stress during this time. Things like how to deal with those family dynamics and how to decipher medications and even touching on technology. I mean, my gosh, right now, you know, technology and caregiving is um, even more in the front of our minds because for a lot of people, that's the only way they can connect with their loved one right now. And we'll be even touching the issues of, you know, driving for older adults. So there's going to be many, many different um, opportunities to get some education. And then, you know, one of the keystone features of the Caregiver Summit has always been that exhibitor hall where all of the resources have been right at the fingertips of the family caregivers. And so we had to figure out, well, how do we still do that on a virtual platform? And so, you know, we we are actually going to be able to do that. We are still going to have many different organizations in a resource room that will be actually able to have one-on-one conversations that day. You can even email them and instant message them, go to their websites, and it'll all be at your fingertips. And believe it or not, Jason, we're going to have an app. Wow. So <laughs> I know. Who knew? You know, so maybe one of the blessings of the COVID-19 pandemic has really pushed us as conference organizers to look at doing things in a, in a different way. While we all enjoy our in-person conferences and we can hope we can get back to those in 2021, this may be something that if it goes off to be as much of a success as we think it's going to be, we may continue on with something like this next year. And so, you know, folks will be able to access our our conference through the app. And, you know, one of the things, if I could say a criticism of the Caregiver Summit has been in the past, is that there has been such amazing content and folks want to be able to attend it all. And they can't because you have one day and you can only go to just so many sessions. And so what we've been able to do is actually make all of this content available for those who register for an entire year. So people are going to be able to keep going back in and, you know, watching more sessions and continue to network with the 
exhibitors and resources. And maybe, you know, as, as things decline with a loved one throughout the year, you can go back in and, and connect with somebody else who you might need support from. So we definitely encourage folks to be looking out for more information about the Caregiver Summit. And, you know, registration is not open yet, but if folks are interested, you can actually go to our website and get put on a list to receive information once the registration is open. And that website is caregiversummit.org. Excellent. Caregiversummit.org. And Nicole, I'm so excited for this because uh, it's, to me, it's, it's really cool what you're doing. It's not just some big conference call where you know you're going right. to have one person talk another person talk you're going to have that level of intimacy mm-hmm. there that is is really hard to uh pull off so i'm excited to see what you guys are doing i know you've been working so hard nicole you work so hard in general on the caregiver <laughs> summit and you've been throwing a curveball with this to make a virtual summit happen in uh, a very limited amount of time but uh if there's anyone who can pull it off i know it's you so well yeah we have an incredible team you know I, there's no way we could have uh, pulled this off without all of the partnering hosts. I mean, and I, you know, so that is why I know we're going to do this really, really well. And I, and I think it will probably be out there as an example of how you can engage families and just the general community in something and, and hopefully make people feel like they're being supported and that they're just not out there on an island alone right now during COVID. So, yep, super excited. October 22nd, caregiversummit.org is the website. It is completely free of charge to attend this year. So please mark your calendar. And if you have family members that live in different states even, you know, some things that we often talk about is you have the one local family caregiver, and then you have other members of the family that are trying to play a supportive role, but it's hard because they're not here. This is a great way for them to help support you by inviting them to come along the journey as well and, and attend the summit the same day you are because they're not going to have to travel. Yeah. Say, hey, you pick up some of the slack here. You do some of the, the virtual summiting and, you know, help me out a little bit. That's a great resource. And again, caregiversummit.org is the website. Registration is not open, but stay tuned to Aging Matters and we'll be sure to let you know exactly when that happens. Again, caregiversummit.org for more information and stay tuned to us here every Saturday at four o'clock. It's Aging Matters. We're out of time for today, but we hope you'll join us again next week. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. PTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.